talk about Kanye West in a minute. But I just got off the phone to my goddaughter who chats to me. You know, she rings me and, um, you know, gives me all sorts of ideas to think about. And they're always fantastic, you know. And right now she's talking about rap music, or she just was, you know, just then. And uh, she was talking about a singer called Naz. Actually, not a singer. I don't think rappers are singers. And I don't think I'm being rude in saying that. I think they're poets, as far as I can tell. Um, I don't think I've ever heard a rapper sing, you know. Singing is, you know, well, what I call singing anyway is, you know, something melodic, you know, tuneful, um, you know. And, and this might be my social construction, but I think um, rap, rap, you know, music is essentially, as far as, you know, my social construction goes, it's a combination of rhythm, melody, harmony, you know, and all those sorts of things, counterpoint, yes, music, you know, um, and other elements too, you know, and it's to do with sound music, um, it's not to do with what's being said, what's being said is usually poetry, so um, a song typically is a mixture of poetry and music, as far as I can see, so if you if you hum a tune, you know, if you hum a song or a rap song, so take all the, strip all the words out um, and hum them instead, you know, that's the music within the song. Strip all the music out and just say the words and that's the poetry, you know. Um, so rap seems to me to be really at the high end of sophistication in terms of one element of what I call music, and that being the rhythm element. Um, so the rhythms, you know, and uh, my goddaughter has exposed me to what those rhythms are, and they're really quite impressive, you know. Um, the, the rhythms are complex, um, and, you know, syncopated, and um, pentatonic, you know, and uh, pentameter, all sorts of, you know, throw all sorts of words that relate to rhythm, into a into a mixing bowl, and um, and therein are all the rhythmic styles of rap. You know, very impressive. You know, but not much melody. No melody. Yeah. Oh, look, even in speech, when you're speaking poetry, there's melody in your speech. You know, listen to me right now. You know, I'm speaking in tune. You know, my voice is going up and down. You know, up and down. Up and down, you know, all the time. So we do speak with some sort of melody. Um, yeah, but that's music. Anyway, she was talking about rap, um, and you know, and that, and that sort of is something of a segue. Is going to be a segue to Kanye West because he's into rap, and, um, and and as far as I can tell, look, I'll go back on what I was saying and say, you know, there is music in rap, and and that is the. Number one, the kind of what you might call a natural, instinctive melody uh, that comes with just plain old speaking. And um, so it has that element. Um, and it also has an element of um, uh, rhythm, uh, and, uh, rhythm and a more sophisticated rhythm than I think I've heard in any other style of art. Uh, so that's rap, um, and also they have underneath 
the um, the poetry, if you like, in rap, they have underneath the poetry usually what they call a beat, you know, which again is rhythm. So there's rhythm in the speech, but they usually have a rhythm running underneath, which I call sounds, um, you know, sounds in rhythm. Um, and, and, you know, it'll be some sort of simple tune that usually repeats um, and usually goes from one type of sound to another. That's the, you know, that's a variation. Not in the actual, let's say, mel- not exactly what you'd call complex melodies as you might find in classical music, for example, um, you know, um, or complex, or, or any harmonies at all, really. Um, or any um, combining of voices, you know, or any counterpoint or anything like that. Um, you know, it just sits underneath. And if they, they tend to um, rap, there's, there's straight rap, as far as I can tell, which is simply the chanting, you know, the poetry. Uh, that's, that's what I would call straight rap. I'm not an expert on rap. I don't listen to rap, you know. But for my goddaughter, I don't think I'd listen to any rap. You know, and offhand, right now, um, the only rap song that I can remember, um, that I can even think of, is "I Am a God" by Kanye West. But that's because my goddaughter sent me a clip of that. That's the only one I can remember offhand. Uh, and I am struggling to remember "Walk This Way." I remember that, but that was actually an Aerosmith song, so that doesn't count. Um, okay, uh, Run DMC. That was big. Um, Gangster's Paradise. I remember that song. Uh, but as you can see, I don't get into rap. You know, I don't know any rap. Uh, so I, I would say straight rap is uh, doesn't have what you would call pop elements in it. Um, it's just someone chanting, usually um, about some intense subject matter, you know. And compare that to rock and roll, which I'm more interested in. Rock and roll is pretty much a style of music that says, you know, it's very simple, um, that is more tuneful, but not always, you know, um, that sort of uh, is, I'm winning. Rock and roll is about winning. Rock and roll is actually, uh, you know, a, a uh, synonym, synonym, <laughs> I nearly said cinnamon, um, synonym for sex, you know, rock and roll is actually, you know, means sex. That's why rock and roll can never die, because, you know, sex will never die. But they mean fun sex, you know, like fun, having fun, funny, you know, um, enjoying yourself, winning, you know. Uh, rock and roll is about getting a nice flash car, and and if I can get that flash car, then I'll get a girl, you know. Um, you know the blues and... Uh, the blues and <laughs> had a baby and it was called rock and roll <laughs> um so rock and roll is kind of a fun version of the blues you know the blues was the blues was um everything's gone wrong um but i'm okay i'm still ha i've lost my wife and i've lost everything uh the blues but i'm still happy because i excuse me truck going past the blues is kind of you know i've lost i've got nothing i've lost everything but I'm not a victim because I'm still happy because I've still got my guitar. It's missing a string, but I've still got my guitar. You know, that's a blues, as far as I can tell. Um, and it's kind of an optimistic art form, I think. The blues. Rock and roll is super optimistic. Um, 
you know, yeah, you'll find an exception to that. You know, you'll find some rock and roll song that isn't, but the exception doesn't prove the rule. Doesn't prove the rule. <coughs> That's only on social media where these days where the exception proves the rule. You know, like someone says, oh, you know, I have noticed that rock and roll is really cheerful. You know, and the way social media works these days is someone finds one rock and roll song amongst 40,000 rock and roll songs and they, they uh, put that rock and roll song up on what? Instagram, no, Twitter or something, or Facebook, and they say, ha, scoff, you're wrong. Look, we found a rock and roll song where the guy is actually, you know, unhappy, you know? And you said rock and roll is a happy art form. And we found an example where it isn't. So you're wrong. That's the way social media works. Okay. It's nuts. All right. So, but rap. Rap is the next generation as far as I can tell. You know, music moves along. And rap is, you know, rock and roll doesn't deal very strongly with feelings. It's not someone talking about themselves or their culture you know they're not trying to um you know they're not in anguish over their culture or anything like that in rock and roll it's just about uh, i'm going out on saturday you know i'm working hard on monday i'm working hard on tuesday i'm working hard on wednesday but i'm looking forward to friday that's rock and roll you know but rap is more aligned i think to the way modern people share they share everything um their deepest feelings you know i've been speaking about nine hours now um on this podcast maybe 10 maybe 12 hours um but i haven't shared anything about myself you know you don't know really anything you know have i have i got any problems in life well if you're listening you know am i in anguish have i had a hard childhood well i haven't actually but you know surely i was, i must have had been through a few things in my life but I haven't mentioned any of them, you know. I've been speaking for 12 hours and I haven't mentioned a thing, you know. Um, excuse me, helicopter going past, just wait for a second. We live near Essendon Airport. That's the police helicopter. Um, but rap is about sharing, as far as I can tell, well, one of the things about rap, hip-hop, I think. Um, see, I'm learning. Hip-hop, I think, is much more, you know, I've got a mansion um, in Beverly Hills. I used to be a poor, but I, I used to be poor, but I'm, I'm still a gangster in my mind, but I've got all this money and I've got 14 women around, scantily clad women all around my pool. You know, and they've all got big bums, you know. I think that's hip-hop, largely. Um, I might be wrong, but, you know. Um, and I've got a lot of gold on you know but rap i think you know you're still you're still in anguish most of the time and you know you're expressing your deepest emotions and i think this is very healthy um as far as i can tell uh and you get to really express you know where your culture is and all that sort of stuff you know and your people and all this sort of stuff you know what i mean which is probably a very required thing. It wouldn't have come into existence if it wasn't needed, surely. You know, and that's rap, I think. Okay, which segues us into Kanye West quite nicely, probably. Um, what was... Um, oh, my goddaughter was talking to me about Naz, who is another rapper. 
Um, and specifically, she brought to my attention a song by Naz and Damien Marley. Okay, now I know about Damien Marley uh, because he's the son of, um, son of, isn't he? Um, Bob Marley, is that right? Grandson? Son? All right. Uh, and I know about Bob Marley because, you know, I grew up in the 70s. Uh, so, you know, he was famous. Um, my uncle used to call us kids Rastus, you know, which is, uh, you know, because Haley Selassie from Ethiopia was very famous back then when I was a kid. Very famous, you know. And, you know, and so, were the, so, were, was, so was, um, what is it, reggae and all that sort of stuff. And it all came together and... You know, everyone knew what Rastafarianism was when I was young. I actually sometimes think Life of Brian was based on Haley Selassie, you know. Wrong Messiah, oops, you know. That's what the Life of Brian movie was about. It was made at the same time as Haley Selassie was super famous. And Haley Selassie was a, a reluctant Messiah, you know, where the Jamaicans, as far as I can tell... Um, stood up one day and said, Haley Selassie, you are the Messiah. And he, you know, kind of said, no, I'm not. You know, um, and they said, yes, you are, you know, and, you know, a true Messiah would deny it. And he said, oh, that's not fair. You know, um, what can I, how can I argue against that? Yeah, see, we got you, Haley Selassie. You are the Messiah. We all adore you. Please don't adore me. We do anyway. You haven't got a choice. And Life of Brian was about that too. But anyway, my, my goddaughter brought to my attention a song by... Naz, who's very famous, I'm told. I had never heard of him. Never heard of him in my life until, you know, pretty recently when she mentioned his name. Because I asked her, give me a famous rapper who's really good. Because she was telling me I need to, um, and she was right, you know, that I should find out what it is about rap, you know. Because I'm constitutionally resistant to rap. It kind of tends to, um, well, it vexes my spirit. Um, it tends to vex my spirit every time I hear a rap song, you know. Um, um, you know, I can't even remember any of them off by, offhand, but, you know, you can't avoid them. Sometimes, you know, I've been, you know, you go to a supermarket and someone's on, sometimes it's on, on the loudspeaker, and it seems to be some guy usually um, um, telling you what a hard life he's had, you know, in excruciating detail, you know, but... Maybe that's just, I'm listening to the wrong rap songs, you know. But that just seems to me, oh, I don't want to hear that, you know. Um, but maybe I should be hearing that so I know, you know. I don't know. Um, but she was telling me about Naz. Oh, I forgot to mention with rap. Yeah, rap, straight rap. I mentioned that straight rap, uh, for, to my mind, you know, I'm making up my own definitions because I, I haven't looked up rap on Wikipedia and that would probably tell me what rap really is. But rap, you know, rap seems to be rapidly rap, 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 rapidly rap, you know, um, complex rhythms and you do it to poetry. I imagine that they write down, um, and my goddaughter suggested this might be the case, that the rhythms are very complex and um, the accents have to be in certain places um, to sound right. Um, and there are different types of rhythms uh, that are popular in rap, you know, just like there are different forms of classical music that are popular, you know, the piano concerto or the symphony, you know, and people tend to grab a, a popular form of, you know, a sonata, 
is a song, you know. A sonata, arguably a symphony is a song. But anyway, um, there's a piano concerto, you know, or a symphony or whatever, you know. And um, a composer uh, already knows that form. So if it's a symphony, you know, there'll be a kind of brisk movement followed by a um, slow movement followed by a... A, a scherzo, as they call it, you know, a, a sort of joke movement, followed by a, a finale, you know, another brisk movement to bring us back to the start, you know, and that'll be a form, you know, a form of music. Now, apparently there are forms of rap, which essentially are forms of rhythm, um, different rhythms, and I imagine they put all them, you know, if I was a rap composer, do you call that, a, a rap poet, I'd, you know, uh, I think I would put all the markings down on a piece of paper, and my goddaughter suggests that she thinks that they might do this, most of them. You actually put all the different markings, where the accents are, where the offbeats are, and where the onbeats are, and where you're going to have the rhymes, and then you start filling in the words, you know. Sometimes rap feels to be a bit forced in that way. They use, you know, um, the Naz song, and I actually remember one line from that Naz song, she said, Geographically, we were taken out of Africa, you know, something like that, you know. It was a song about um, Africans being taken out of Africa. Geographically, we were taking out of, taken out of Africa, you know, something like that. Might not be the exact words. And I thought, well, how else are you going to be taken out of Africa? Well, I suppose spiritually. But, you know, ge- the word geographically seemed forced to me, you know. Look, you know, when, when I, I'm trying to write poetry, you know, which I, I am hopeless of poetry... You know, I kind of am picking words, this is me, um, that seem to me, you know, that are getting the rhyme going. But then I look at it and I say, that really wasn't the right word, but I'm going to use it anyway because it's the rhyming, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, um, but that's just me. I'm not saying that, you know, there are rappers that are winning um, uh, Nobel Prizes for literature at the moment. No, I think that was Bob Dylan, you know. He was a bit of a rapper. Um, was he? <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, subterranean blues. Is a, was there one? Sometimes some of Bob Dylan's. Bob Dylan was kind of more poetry than music, to my ears. Although you got a lot of nerve to say you are my friend. You know. Um, I suppose that's got a tune going on, hasn't it? Um, all right, so rap, you know, and I think there's a thing called straight rap, you know, and that's got really no music. It's got sounds, it's got what they call a beat going underneath, but the beat is really a very a very simple melody, such that it's really not music per se in my book, you know, the world's most super melody, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, the whole time, you know what I mean? And, um, but... It's mixed up because it's all in different sounds using a synthesizer, you know, or maybe even a violin or whatever, but it's all the same tune over and over again, but it develops um, as different sounds all done on a computer, you know. So that's straight rap as far as I can tell, which is essentially just poetry. Now, I have noticed that um, there's, it's hugely popular to uh, blend a pop song in which they call sampling, with rap. So what you do, you grab, you know, maybe a Bee Gees song. The Bee Gees were from Australia, you know, staying alive, you know. Uh, the Bee Gees, you know. 
Um, and Saturday Night Fever, you know. But you grab a BG song, and I think this is where, you know, because rap is very intense. It just seems to be very intense to me. The subject matter is very intense. And, you know, and, and some people want straight rap. Uh, there was another person called Nipsey Hussle, who I'd never heard of, who my goddaughter mentioned recently straight after he was dead. Um, I found out he existed after he had been shot. And Nipsey Hussle, and I think he was a straight rapper. There's this whole genre of straight rappers who I think just rap um, without any the relief of a of a nice pop song mixed in, um, sampled, you know. So you know, a little bit of music, then some rap. You know, the whole song isn't a rap song. You can't call the whole thing a rap song because it's a mixture of sampled music and rap so it's alternating you know sampled music rap you know but i call rap the rap bit not the whole song you know it's not a rap song it's a mixture a mixture of sampled music and rap you know um alternating uh but anyway yeah i found out this about this guy called nipsey hustle who was shot um and only you know, uh, I discovered he was alive as soon as he was dead. Just missed him. Just missed him. My That happened to my sister with Elvis. He died in 1977. I was 14 and my sister was only seven. And um, yeah, I'm a rock and roll fan. I'm a rock and roll fan uh, from a pretty young age because my mum and dad had all the old rock and roll records. So I liked the music just before my time. I grew up in the 70s, but I liked 50s rock and roll. And then I liked the Beatles, you know, but that was all before my time. Um, you know, the Beatles had just split up by the time, you know, I was starting to have my own mind. You know, the Beatles split up when I was seven. Um, and I liked the Beatles, but before I liked the Beatles, I just liked rock and roll. Um, Elvis and Little Richard and Bill, and Bill Haley, yes, all right. I, I thought he was a bit of a square. Um, but I liked Buddy Holly, who was who really looked like a square, but boy, I don't think he was. He was cool. He was cool in a geeky way, a Bill Gates kind of way. But Bill Gates is not cool. Um, but I, I thought, um, there's yeah, something about Buddy Holly, you know. Um, anyway, um, so, um, yeah, I think, you know, straight rap um, is just the poetry with what's called a beat underneath um and and then there's another form so you can do forms um where you sample music and mix it in with the rap just to give it a bit of light relief you know um and then there's another genre as far as i can tell where you've got a genuine pop singer now ed sheer and oh i was talking about um nipsey hustle wasn't i and i was talking about elvis yes when elvis died i came home uh, there was no internet then, no internet. You only found out about things from the newspaper. And outside the shop, we lived in a small country town in, in Victoria, here in, um, in Victoria, here in Australia. And uh, there's no way to find out anything. I, you know, you didn't even listen to the radio much, you know. That's the way it was. And there were only a few radio stations anyway. Um, and, um, and I went down the shop. And, you know, I discovered, even though I was a huge Elvis fan, I had discovered um, Elvis had died about 25, 24 hours earlier. 
um, because it was in the news. It was on the newspaper. You know, the, the little wire grids that they used to set up outside the um, the shops, and they'd just have the banner. You know, the the main headline has big letters sitting outside the shop, and it said, "The king is dead." And I knew exactly what they meant. You know, um, because we had a queen at the time as our constitutional monarch uh, that's, that's not, nothing to do with a monarchy you know constitutional monarchy is very different than a monarchy than an absolute monarchy completely different thing um that was my previous episode um you know in australia i like digressing like this just to, you know stay awake um in australia we have a constitutional monarchy and people say we should get rid of the monarchy and you almost think they think that we've got a monarchy like you know the queen elizabeth the first was but Australia hasn't got that sort of monarchy. We've got a constitutional monarchy. In the old time, you know, in Ethiopia, for example, um, God gave power to the monarch. You know, the power that the king had, the emperor had, was from God. And then he uh, distributed that, you know, he used that power to rule over the people. You know, but we don't have that sort of monarch with Queen Elizabeth II you know, via the Governor-General of Australia, the Queen derives her power from the people. It's the opposite. Nothing to do with it. So, if you're saying in Australia here today, and this is an absolute digression, but I like doing that, um, that we should get rid of the monarchy, you know, you almost think they, you almost think they think that we're back in the time of the French Revolution, 1789, or whenever that was, I might have the year wrong, you know. They, they're almost saying we should get rid of the king, you know, bring out the guillotine. Um, we, are, we are more mature than that now, you know, but we've got actually, we actually do have a mature type of um, system. Um, it's constitutional monarchy, constitutional monarchy, which got no real relationship to the monarchies of old, you know, for example, the emperors of Ethiopia, where the monarch derived his, always his, wasn't it? In, uh, maybe not, um, in Ethiopia, he derived his power from God. God gave him the power, and the people were thus awestruck, you know, and and if the people question, are you sure that God gave you the power, you know, well, then the monarch would install a priesthood just underneath him, and um, and that priesthood would tell, and he would instruct those guys, he'd say, I'll give you a lot of money so you can be fat, you know, you can be you know, you'll be semi-rich. I'm super rich. You can be semi-rich. I'll make you semi-rich if you, if you, um, if you be the voice, the spokespeople for God. You know, you be the voice of God. So I want to claim to be have my power from God, but I need someone who has who is in contact with God to uh, legitimize me. You know. So what I'll be, I will claim to have my power given to me from God if you but I need a priesthood right next to me um, to say he's right you know and then for all the peasants to say aha well we've had that verified then he's saying he gets his power from God these priests over here who are on the take of the emperor he's paying them um, he, they're saying he's right you know so you know we've had someone claiming something and then we've had someone who uh, is legitimising that, you know, and that's how the monarchy used to work. But in Australia, we haven't got that. The monarch in Australia, you know, who is essentially the Governor-General of Australia, his name's Peter Cosgrove, you know, not many people in Australia know that. That's the beauty 
of Australia. We have very, very strong institutions in Australia. That's our, Australia, that's our culture, to have strong institutions such that we do not need um, great and powerful people to uh, inspire us. We do not need inspiration. In fact, we like weak leaders. We know we are strong here in Australia with strong institutions. How do we know we are strong culturally? How do we know we are such a strong culture? Yeah, because we had a gold rush and gave us a lot of money. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, well, that's one of the reasons. Um, <coughs> we've got minerals, you know. And we're a Western society, you know. And, um, and you know, we're living off the legacy of very evil things that Western culture did many centuries ago. Um, yeah, you know, uh, the legacy of colonisation, um, which, the legacy of which persists this, to this day in the form of a rigged world economy, you know. Now, I actually believe that's true, all right? But that's not what this podcast is about. We'll talk about that another day. Um, but that's why we're rich, and that's why we're strong. But we're strong for other reasons too because of the systems we have in place. And we know we're strong because um, every prime minister we have is a milksop. You know, and our glorious leader, um, our um, executive, our governor general, acting on behalf of the Queen, does nothing decade after decade, you know. Whereas Donald Trump, who is the executive um, in America, does something every day. He's tweeting and making big statements every single day. He's having an impact. He's full of impact, Donald Trump. That's the other sort of executive you could have if you want. And I see that. sort. Of, if you've got that sort of executive, I see that as a nation in crisis, you know, if you've got an executive that's doing too much. But the sign of a, a very calm and strong nation, um, quite apart from how rich you are or how big your military is, I just mean, you know, in your Zen sense... <coughs> sign of a strong nation, which I think Australia is, a very powerful culture, Australia. Um, so powerful that it smashes the indigenous culture, for example. I'm not saying this is a moral statement, and I'm not saying it's a good thing that we're strong. I'm just saying we're strong. We've got an extremely strong culture that's almost irresistible. Really hard to go up against Australian culture. It's powerful. It goes back thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Australian culture in the Western sense, you know, there's, we've also got an indigenous Australian culture in parallel. We're trying to bring those two cultures together, but it's not easy because um, one is too dominant. Which one is the dominant one? The Western one, because Western culture is hugely, you know, there's a lot to Western culture. I think a lot of people don't even understand that, you know. You get people um, coming to Australia and say, you've got no culture. I said, um... Oh, no, yes, we have. <laughs> you know, it goes back to ancient Rome, goes back to Greece, you know. goes back to, you know, the myths and legends in England and Ireland. You know, I'm talking Anglo-Celtic Australian culture. Australian culture is evolving now beyond that. But, you know, I'm talking about, you know, the, the little blip in history that was, you know, the British coming to Australia, bringing along a few Irish convicts and a few English convicts. That little blip... That was the temporary Australia that I'm familiar with, which I think will die eventually. But while it still exists, it's powerful. You know, 
and it, it its waters run deep and it's ancient and you know it's got incredibly deep roots in terms of um, thought music you know ideology religion even very deep traditions you know all right now um you know parliament the westminster system you know very sophisticated you know we've got so much going on in australian culture you know um magna carta you know we we because we're british you know um you know we came up with the magna carta amazing and we also came up with this idea and i've completely digressed away from rap we'll get to kanye west and rap and all that sort of stuff but it's worth you know digressing like this i don't mind that it's almost a revision of the previous episode isn't it um so um and um so uh what was i talking about we're going to get back to rap yeah i I actually was on a train of thought then but i forgot about it so let's just drop it hey let's let's quickly get back to rap after all um so rap yeah, and there's another form where you get, um, you're keeping up, stay awake. Um, another form of rap where someone like Ed Sheeran, I know his name, he sang at our grand final once with Tom Jones. And Tom Jones looked like a real man next to him. He looked kind of like a, 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 a how can I put this without sounding politically incorrect? Well, I'll just say I'm a bit of a Nancy boy. Um, so that gets me out of jail, and I'll say that Ed Sheeran seemed like a bit of a Nancy boy, okay? Um, it's alright to call someone a Nancy boy if you're a Nancy boy yourself, okay? I'm a Nancy boy. Okay, Ed Sheeran, you know, came out and did a duet with Tom Jones, and Tom Jones, I reckon, you know, just came across so, you know, just so masculine, really. Um, uh, not necessarily a good thing, but I'm just saying the way it is, you know, I'm reporting what happened. But, you know, Ed Sheeran gets together with rappers, I noticed. Um, I don't like Ed Sheeran songs, you know. You know, Why Am I So Emotional? Is that one of his songs? He had a song, you know. His songs seem to say, why am I so emotional? You know what I mean? Look, I think that's really healthy. But I'm uncomfortable with it, you know, because I'm an Aussie. You know, what's an Aussie, you know? Um, an Aussie is an Anglo-Celtic Australian, really. That's our vernacular. It doesn't have to be true, just the way it is. All right. Um, the true Australians here, Indigenous peoples, but that's Indigenous Australia. You know, I'm talking about Anglo-Celtic Australia. There's more than one Australia. There's geographic Australia as well. You know, there's different Australias. When people argue about, um, you know, I think Australia is such and such, and another person says, you bastard, you know, Australia is not that, Australia is this. You know, I say, what, what are you two arguing about? You're talking about two different Australias. You know? Um, a lot of public discourse goes off the rails for that reason because two people are talking about two different things. Aha! Now I'm going to talk about what... Uh, that's going to... That's my segue back to what I was talking about at the start. My goddaughter was talking about uh, um, Naz, the rapper. You know, we ended up talking about Nipsey Hussle, didn't we? Um, and we talked about Damien Marley's reggae. He's not rap, you know, but maybe he's getting in involved with rappers these days um and oh yeah i came back from the milk bar you're keeping up stay awake i came back to the milk bar and i said to my sister elvis is dead this is 1977 elvis is dead and she started crying she's only seven the poor thing she's so cute and she said i didn't even know he was alive and now he's not you know and that's how i feel about nipsey hustle you know the instant I found out he even existed, he was dead. Damn. 
just missed him. That was close. Alright, now, um, rap. Yeah, so Ed Sheeran. So Segway, I was talking about a Segway. What was Segwaying me back? Um, oh yes. Um, I was saying, um, my goddaughter was mentioning Naz. You know, the rapper, Naz. Um, and Naz has a song that she mentioned to me in which he is asserting what you would call in America black pride, you know. Americans' identity is very strongly connected with skin colour in America uh, for two reasons, I think. Number one, there was a lot of racism, a huge level of racism going on. Just like here in Australia, huge level of racism. We were hugely racist, Australia. We still are, you know. I'm probably racist, you know, and I'm privileged. I'm I'm a Westerner who is, you know, I have white privilege. Um, I have white privilege along uh, skin colour lines. A lot of my fellow Westerners say, oh, how dare you say, accuse me of, you know, coming from a privileged position. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't come, I, I'm not like that. I say, yes, I am. I am coming from a privileged position, you know. You know, why would I... Um, or do I disagree with that when it's so, sort of blatantly obvious, you know? Um, and some people say, you are calling me a racist. I am not a racist. Whereas I don't do that. I say, you know, maybe I am. I'm trying not to be, but maybe I am. I'm not going to deny it. You know, if you think I'm being a racist, I probably am. You know, a lot of my fellow Westerners, you know, you call them a racist and they get their knickers in a twist, you know. But I don't. If you want to call me a racist, you know, I'm not going to disagree with that. You're probably right. You know, people should just, you know, relax a bit and sort of say, oh, you know, justified criticism there. Yeah, all right, I'm probably a racist. I'm, I think, you know, in my mind, I think I'm trying not to be. Um, and sometimes I think I'm not, but I might be. So, yeah, yeah, if you come up with, if you come up to me in the street and call me a racist, you know, I'll say, do you want to come for a coffee? Because that's really interesting what you said there. Because I think you might be right. Let's go and have a chat. And you know what? After about four hours, we'll go out to a bar you and me, you know, you might be Ethiopian. I've got some friends who are Ethiopian. And I've actually got some experience of this. And you know what? We'll talk the night away and we'll be friends by the end of the night because I didn't deny it. You know, I wasn't defensive. You know, this is a sign of someone who's getting a little older, isn't it? Because I'm in my 50s now, I'm 56. You know, I don't try and defend myself. That's annoying when people defend themselves. But getting it back to... Um, you know, and we'll end up mates, good mates, because I said, yeah, you're right, okay? I didn't try and fight. I said, you're right. I could be a rapper. See, that was a rhyme. Now, um, and, uh, you know, I'm the king, and that's my thing. <laughs> um, okay, that was little Richard. He used to say things like that. Um, and, you know, did he give Muhammad Ali all these ideas? <laughs> you know, for that jiving rap. Little Richard was very good at that. He was in the 1950s. Um, Muhammad Ali was in the 1960s. Um, uh, Muhammad Ali's 40th birthday, Little Richard sang for him. You can Google that. He did a really good job. Um, oh, honestly, Little Richard nearly smashed the piano. He belted that song out so well. Good golly, Miss Molly. You know, I love, I'm a rock and roll fan. Anyway, so, um, Naz. Now, um... And this relates to something I was saying before. There was a segue there, but I've forgotten what the, what the, um, what the, what was prompting the segue. You know, 
from where I was segueing, you know, to, <laughs> um, but I, I remember what I was getting on to, you can kind of maybe remember it, I can't because I'm talking, um, and the segue goes like this, Naz wrote a song, and I think Damien Marley was helping him along, and um, and in it, he was going with the, you know, and there's a whole genre, remember there's genres in symphonies and, you know, piano concertos in classical music, and there's genres in rap too, not only in musical style or rhythmic style, but in the style of what you're talking about, I'm sure. Now, one of the styles, I think, is um, whereby you observe and note that uh, Westerners have smashed um, Africans. Yeah, they did, especially in the scramble for Africa, you know, at that period in time. You know, the West got a technological edge, which I have argued in previous episodes was kind of as a consequence of luck on their behalf to do with geography, but that's a whole discussion I had another day. I won't bother with that one again. But, um, you know, and, um, and the world separated along black and white lines, and it really did, you know, and... Um, white supremacy grew up, you know, because, um, and I've argued that, you know, Europeans um, incorrectly, but, you know, um, know, understandably perhaps, because they had a technological edge at the time, thought that they were better, you know. And, um, And look, the long and short of that is, over in America especially, that's where it was most intense. Um, still racism in Australia and everywhere else too, um, but in America it got very intense, the white-black divide, because I think it started with the white people um, declaring themselves white. We did that in Australia. We had a thing called a white Australia policy, you know. Um, So, you know, we made the rules. So we shouldn't complain what happens if someone else uses the rules after that, should we? And we made the rules and we said the world is divided along white and black lines, you know, and um, our identity is white. You know, we really did do that. I don't mind saying that. I've discussed in previous episodes where I, you know, where I think that all came from, you know, um, but I'm not going to repeat that here. It's a little bit more subtle. It was to do with culture and all that sort of stuff, but it did end up about skin colour, and the whites started it, in my opinion. The whites started it. Um... But what happened is, um, and maybe this is uncontroversial, and this will um, segue into what I'm going to, about to say with Kanye West too, by the way. Um, what happened then was that they grabbed people from Africa and, you know, um, uh, transported them across to America in particular. <coughs> people from different tribes that had nothing to do with each other. Um, and bundled them all together into ships, took them over to Africa, erased their individual histories. You know, some people might have been from one part of West Africa and other, other people might have been from another part of West Africa. Two tribes that actually hated each other's guts and used to war all, all the time, absolutely hated each other, you know, made war, made hate for centuries and centuries, and, but now they're all in the ship together, most of them dying, half of them dying, you know, in shocking conditions, shipped over to America, and they forgot, you know, after a while, everyone forgot which tribe they were from, their history was erased, their culture was erased, and they only had, what was the last, you know, and everyone needs an identity, and it ended up um, that all the individual identities of Africa, I think, were lost. 
you know, by and large. Um, and um, what was the only thing that was unifying all the slaves after that? Well, as far as I can tell, skin colour. Again, the whites caused this. You know, and then there grew up a black identity in America. So what you have is a very strong white identity, a very strong black identity, and they're the only two identities. You don't get this thing, you know, I'm a Nigerian, well, I'm an Ethiopian, well, we haven't got nothing to do with each other. You know, you get that in Africa. I'm a Nigerian, you're an Ethiopian, and you're an Egyptian, which is wildly different. You know, Egyptians are a completely different culture, you know. Um, yeah, Egypt, you know, Egypt is all by itself, surely. Egyptians, you know, pyramids, all that sort of stuff. You know, Egyptians are a culture unto themselves. Now, interestingly, um, the Kush people came up and seemed to rule, you know, they over, overcame the um, Egyptians um, uh, at one stage and actually sat on the throne as pharaohs for a fair time, which is not unusual. The Greeks did the same thing. You know, Alexander the Great came down and he sat on the throne as pharaoh, you know. So each to the extent that Egypt could be Kush, could be seen as, you know, a black African sort of, um, you know, the pharaohs were black Africans. Well, yes, they were for one period in history because, you know, as the way history goes, you know, the, I think the Sudanese, as we might call them, or whatever, came up and ruled and sat on the throne for a while. So Egypt is black, okay? Ah, yes, but then Alexander the Great, he also came to Egypt and sat on the throne as pharaoh. So, Egypt is olive-skinned and it's Greek. You know, there's even a major city in, in Egypt called Alexandria. You know, and Cleopatra was Greek. You know, so is Egypt Greek or is Egypt African? Ah, now that's interesting, isn't it? This gets on to a song by Naz that my goddaughter uh, put in front of me in the last 24 hours. All right, so what is the answer to that? Just because a, 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 a black Kush guy sat on the throne for a couple of centuries, um, does that make Egypt part of um, Africa, Pan-Africa? Or is Egypt still just Egypt? Because while that guy was on the throne, Sorry, it wasn't a guy. It was a whole dynasty. So it was actually very significant. So it does matter. But the point is, the Kush people did not invent the idea of Egypt. There were Egyptians. They invented the idea of Egypt. The Egyptians created Egypt. You know, they've got no relationship with West Africa, for example, at all. Surely, surely. Or South Africa. Or even Ethiopia. Aren't Ethiopia and Egypt at loggerheads all the time? You know, they're not the same people. You know, didn't Meles... Meles, Melesh, you know, didn't Meles say um, in an interview once, he was the um, Prime Minister of Ethiopia one day, didn't Meles say, listen, you know, he was talking to an Egyptian uh, interviewer, and didn't he say, listen, we're different people, we will never be in love with it, you know, we're different, we're never, but we are in a forced marriage, and the thing that, it, the forced marriage is the Nile River, we share the Nile River. There is nothing we can do about that. We're in a forced marriage. Let's make the best of it. Let's try and, let's try and find win-win situation. You know, I thought that was really wise. You know, I thought he was saying that we're never going to love each other. You know, the modern world these days, the compassionate world, says we should all love each other. That's not, you know, Mellish was saying, we're not going to love each other, you know. Get your hand off it, Daryl, you know. Uh, Mellish was saying, we're not going to love each other. Let's actually just admit that. 
um, get it out in the open and say, we're never going to love each other, we Ethiopians and Egyptians. We're never going to love each other. But let's recognise that and try and find some win-win solutions. I thought that was really wise and quite possibly a, a, a message for the world. You know, I, I really liked it, okay? And we are united by the Nile. And um, <coughs> where that's a message to the world, in my opinion, is... Um, the world's like that, you know, we're sharing a planet. Just like Ethiopia and Egypt are sharing the Nile, are in a forced marriage, all the cultures of the world are sharing a planet and we really, really can't do anything about that. We're forced together in a for, an arranged marriage. We are forced together in an arranged marriage. We might as well find win-win solutions, you know. That's not the same as saying we let's all love each other. We're not going to, you know, we're just not going to. Not in the next 10,000 years anyway, so let's try and find win-win situations. Let's be practical, let's be pragmatic, let's be like what Malish said. I thought he was a great Prime Minister from everything I've heard about him. Okay, so that's that. But, you know, you have Egypt, you have Ethiopia, nothing to do with each other really. You know, they share a Nile and there might be a bit of cross-cultural exchange and all that sort of thing. But when you get even further afield to West Africa or whatever, nothing to do with Egypt, different people. You know, the Egyptians are unique and are themselves in the same way the Greeks are, to the extent the Greeks are, and so as Western Africans are, and you know, we're all indigenous people here in Australia and English people, we're all different cultures, very distinctly different cultures with some cultural crossover, but we're not all the same people, you know. But you get Americans, you know, and I'm thinking this Naz guy, um, and their identity has been aligned with skin colour, and that was forced on them because they had their histories erased. They've they haven't got the nuance between all the different parts of Africa. Surely that's the case. You know, tell me I'm wrong, but that looks that's what it looks like to me. And, you know, whiteies kind of do the same thing. And they say, we're, we, you know, and racist white sort of ideology is such that if you happen to be a whitey, then you are united. You know, it's a common identity, which it really shouldn't be, you know, because the French and the English are really mortal enemies, you know, constitutionally in history. Mortal enemies, you know. Um, oh, Battle of Waterloo, you know, just and that was in Australia's time, you know. At the same time as bad things were happening to Indigenous people, very bad things, you know, you get this situation where um, you have one in one day in the Battle of Waterloo, more people get slaughtered, you know, English people and French people, than we managed to slaughter in the whole history of Australia in terms of Indigenous people, you know. It's not about the numbers, you know. If, if you're a mob of only 100 people and all of them get wiped out, that's actually a tragedy, you know. It doesn't matter if 10,000 people got, 10,000 British soldiers got killed at Waterloo. So I'm not comparing numbers in that sense, you know. 10% of, you know, 10,000 British soldiers might comprise, you know, 1% of British people. Um, and that's not kind of a self-genocide sort of thing <coughs> because, you know, only a small portion of all English people uh, but you know if um, if an entire Indigenous Australia mob gets wiped out that's a genocide you know because even though there was only a hundred of them it was all of them you know um, so uh, but Naz yes I'll get on to him because um, you've got this place called Egypt which has got its own glorious history now all the other places have got glorious histories too I actually think Indigenous Australia has a glorious history too I'm slowly getting to that because a lot of this podcast is about Indigenous Australia and not about African Americans I happen to be talking about African Americans today it's just the way it worked out um, 
and um, Egypt had a glorious history, no doubt about it. You know, it reminds me of you know, the way Greece had a glorious history, you know. Um, Egypt and Greece, you know, they're kind of among my favourites, and the Romans and the Persians, you know, none of these people are my cultures. Um, and I, I'm, I'm very into Ethiopian history as well now, and I'm slowly getting into Indigenous Australian history. So these are all glorious cultures. Do you know the only culture I really never get into? My own. I'm a bit different than a lot of people. And a lot of people, especially coming to Australia from overseas, immigrants, I can never get them to stop talking about themselves. They're always talking about their own culture. I'm a little bit different, you know. 90% of the time I'm talking about and lauding, louding, lauding someone else's, you know. I go on and on about the glories of other people's cultures. Um, I don't see that same kind of respect coming back to me in some sort of sense. You know, when I'm with Ethiopians, for example, you know, I love Ethiopia, but when I'm with Ethiopians, I don't think I've ever said them, heard them say a nice thing about Australia in my life. All right? It's worth thinking about, I think. You know, whereas I say many wonderful... I go out with people, Ethiopians, I say many wonderful things about Ethiopia and, you know, they kind of look at me as, you know, oh, that's a sign of your growing intellect, you know. And I say, now, you wouldn't want to actually acknowledge anything about Australia, would you? you know, I don't actually ask that because I'm not looking for it. You know, I'm not looking for it. And there are probably reasons why Ethiopians are desperate for me to... Um, and there might be very valid reasons, uh, you know, because they're... We are the dominant culture here in Australia. Australian culture is <coughs> very dominant. Australian culture is very dominant, and um, and all other cultures coming into Australia, and even Indigenous culture, the original culture here in Australia, is anxious, you know, because they're a minority, you know, and it's very hard to keep the culture going. So probably that's why they have to talk it up more, you know. Whereas I'm probably in a much more comfortable position, coming from a racist background, which I am. Um, where I'm comfortable with my culture and I don't have to um, I don't actually, even though I said you know, uh, that's interesting I don't seem to get the same respect back but I don't actually need it because I'm just really comfortable in my own skin you know, which is white because I'm a racist alright, now let's get back to what we're talking about Naz now, I feel like I've highlighted that Egypt was its own culture you know, in the same way that Greece was you know, Egypt is, I really see Egypt sitting all by itself as one of the unique cultures of the world, you know, like the Indians, you know. Um, I know a bit about India too. India I find fascinating and wonderful. Um, you know, or like China, you know, I feel Egypt is like China. China and Egypt are islands unto themselves. China is an island, you know. Um, because it's got desert all around, all water, and it's, it's like this, it's an island unto itself, unique by itself, it has its own culture, you know. Um, Egypt, I see that way too. But then, uh, I hear this, uh, this Naz rap song is conflating, you know that word, conflating, you know. Now, I actually looked that up once, it means to blow together. Um, you know, uh, where you've got, let's say you've got salt and pepper, you know, two distinctly different things on a plate. And on the left-hand side, you've got salt, and on the right-hand, you've got pepper. And you you blow, like you would blow candles on, off a, on a birthday cake, but you blow the salt and pepper all together and call it all the one thing, you know. Now, that's conflating. And this Naz song that my goddaughter played to me... Uh, 
very much seem to conflate Egyptian culture with all other African cultures as if they're the one and the same thing you know as if um, Egypt could be proud of Nigeria's history for example and Nigeria could be proud of Egypt's history and as far as I can tell that was that can only be on skin color lines and I'm even a bit worried about that because I'm not sure what Egyptian skin color was back then you know I'm not talking about the the Kush people, what were they, brown, you know, but they're all black, you know, because that's the way America thinks, because, you know, more than anywhere else, you know, because everything was separated out on black and white lines in America, and I see that as the, the fault of the white people, where identity is associated with uh, skin colour, and this is the way a lot of rap songs go, as far as I can tell, um, that if you've got any African skin in you, black skin, uh, then you're black. Right, which is patently, you know, to a scientist is uh, ridiculous, you know, because some people are just about white. In fact, there are some people so white, but you've got to call them black, you know, um, because they're finding the idea. And then um, Naz, this song that my goddaughter gave me, is Naz himself saying, everyone with any black skin, um, you know, any black in their skin, whatever, melatonin, whatever it is, melanin, right? I'm not very good on biology. Um, must unite against the white people, you know. And just on one level, I think you whiteies, you, you know, you're going to get what's coming to you. You deserve this. You know, I'm thinking that. Yeah. In other ways, I'm thinking no, they're not. But in some ways, I think you know, they. It's their turn next. You know, um, our turn next. You know. Um, you had this coming to you, you know, but then that's what Naz is promoting, I think, the idea that the black people will rise up and squash the white people, and that's what this song was about. But in building up the, you know, and his identity is around whether you've got any black skin colour in you. Now, the Egyptians, I don't think, were blacks, were they? Were they more olive? I don't know. I get mixed up now because they're kind of, I don't know, um, I look at Egyptians now and they don't see, oh, can you work that one out to me? Can someone do a DNA? Uh, but anyway, it doesn't really matter what the DNA is. The point is, Egypt had a very specific culture. Um, and, and, and because a pharaoh, you know, a black pharaoh sat on the throne once, or a brown pharaoh sat on the throne once, um, you know, they say, well, that means Egypt was black. All right, yeah. But as far as I can tell, while that dynasty was in play, the, you know, the Kush dynasty sitting on the Egyptian throne, as far as I can tell, my reading of history, which is limited, um, the Egyptian population was submissive to that Kush leadership, you know. Um, that's like when the Normans came to England, the, uh, the ruling class were Norman French, you know, and the peasants were English, you know. But you can't say, you know, that's the way it was, you know. So the Kush people were, sure, they were the pharaohs, but that doesn't mean Egypt was uh, black. It just means the pharaohs were black. But the Egyptian people were all grumbling because they were now the um, the second-class citizens, you know. So you've got Egypt, the Egyptians who invented Egypt, the idea of Egypt, had their glorious past and all that sort of stuff, you know, who invented, the, you know, developed, you know, all those ideas. Um, that uh, the, the Egyptian gods and all that sort of stuff, Osiris and all that sort of business. Um, uh, oh, actually, I'm probably up to my hour now and it all cuts off. You get one. Oh, I've only got 30 seconds to go. Um, so I think Egyptians were unto themselves. I think Africans were another, you know, box of frogs, all different boxes of frogs, all different boxes of frogs, unrelated largely. Um, but Naz 
His song seemed to be claiming the glories of Egypt for all Africa. All right, I've only got seven seconds to go, so I can't explore that any further. This is the end of that episode, and it's not my fault. Bye-bye. Here comes Kanye. The Ignorance of Kanye West. This is going to be one of those episodes, I think, where the episode is going to be about the opposite of the title of the episode. At least I suspect that. Anyway, why am I talking about Kanye West? Isn't this a podcast about Indigenous Australia? Actually, no, it isn't. <laughs> it just ended up that way. Uh, this episode is called a... This, uh, sorry, this pop podcast. I get the words podcast and episode mixed up and segment. Um, a, an episode is... Uh, you know, a subset of a podcast, and a segment is a subset of a an episode. You know, that's that's the language they use in this little podcast app I use anyway, which I've been switched on to. But the ignorance of Kanye West. Why am I talking about Kanye West? Well, my goddaughter. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm engaged in African American culture. Which, but for my goddaughter, I suspect I would be largely ignoring in life. It wouldn't even come to my attention, you know. I live in a bubble in my, my little home suburb of Essendon. I live in a bubble, and I really don't have much contact with African-Americans at all. Don't come into any contact, don't know any, um, don't see any, anything about them on, the, on media, you know. Um, um, I do have one type of contact with African Americans in as much as uh, I've always been into rock and roll and rock and roll comes from African Americans you know Little Richard Fats Domino Chuck Berry don't like Chuck Berry love his music don't like Chuck Berry uh, I'm like what's his name uh, what is his name the uh, conductor um, who he's, he's an Israeli a Jewish conductor, but he loves Wagner. You know. Don't like what Wagner says. Love his music. <laughs> um, that sort of thing. Um, but I'm engaged, you know, um, I'm engaged with African-American culture via my goddaughter. Without her, I don't think I'd come across it at all, you know, except for listening to rock and roll. Uh, but, you know, I know who Kanye West is. Well, I probably would have known who he is already. Uh, because he's pretty famous, but you know, I, I would never watch a clip. You know, um, I didn't know any of his songs. Uh, but anyway, there was a um, yeah. So I'm accidentally, you know, talking about all that stuff, and there was um, an incident recently. Now I kind of, in, I kind of like the sound of Kanye West in a way, not because of his politics or anything, you know, how could I like someone because of their politics, because I don't have any politics myself, um, but he does seem to be, da he does seem to dabble in philosophy, he seems to think like me a little bit, you know, and he talks a lot, I, you know, I've noticed that, he talks a lot, and uh, I think someone asked him, why do you talk so much, 
and he said, I can't help it. You know, he said it in different words. Um, he said it a lot cooler than that. Uh, but he said it's just an irresistible force, you know, that, uh, that is in some people. And he said, I've got it, you know. Um, so he said, you know, I'm not going to apologise for it. That's just me. You know, and that happens. That Some people are like that. But anyway, a little while ago, um, my goddaughter brought it to my attention that Kanye West was, and, and this might have something to do with, with Indigenous Australia too. Look, everything's got everything to do with everything. Yeah. If, uh, if, you, if you explore ideas, you can apply those ideas to situations other than the situations that gave rise to those ideas. I didn't say that very well, but you know what I mean. Okay, now, Kanye West, he, he was speaking in an interview and I saw the clip, I didn't, didn't see the whole lot, I don't think, it was a while ago, and, um, and he said something like, after 400 years, you know, slavery, and he was thinking aloud, you know, and as far as I could see, and he's a philosopher, as far as I can tell, you know, he's a, he likes to, he likes to think dangerous ideas and explore dangerous ideas and, and to do that aloud, which is very dangerous, um, to think aloud, you know, because you might be smashed halfway through your thought, because that's the way it is in the modern world, you know, and it was probably that way in the ancient world too. All right, but, you know, yeah, the smashing comes very, very quick these days. The smashing is quicker than it used to be because we have social media. Um, but he said something like, after 400 years, slavery starts to sound like a choice. All right, interesting, you know. And, um, and you know, my goddaughter chatted about that a lot. She's got some wonderful ideas along these lines. He's, she's anti-victim, you know. I think she kind of likes the way that Kanye refuses to be a victim. You know, she's a hun. Huns tend not to be victims by nature. Um, in the end, and um, she's a hun, huh? She's Australian. Some people don't like that sort of, um, you know, don't like labelling people as to who they are, you know? Like, I'm an Irishman, so I'm a troublemaker, you know, and I'm a biter. <laughs> like Conor McKenna, the biter. He gets his Irish up, Conor McKenna. Essendon won last night, fantastic win, against the Giants against the odds. You know, Giants were third on the ladder and we haven't looked good all year, but what a stirring win. You know? And, um, and you know, right at it, we made a comeback. Uh, six goals we kicked in the first three quarters and then six goals in the last quarter. Um, and um, there was a controversial free towards the end. Uh, no, there was a controversial goal. Uh, um, and um, it was McKernan um, and he kicked the goal and I think the Giants player did get a finger to it so it was touched so it shouldn't have been a goal but it was a goal but then my wife who I've just dropped off at work you know um, she puts things beautifully and succinctly um, you know, she's like my brother um, well you know, where I, where I say something in a million words when 10 words would suffice. She's able to summarize a million words into 10. And she said something like, 
uh, and I won't be able to paraphrase her perfectly because she just puts it so well. And she said, well, you know, controversy, controversy, you know. Um, yeah, they lost the game because of that. She didn't say all this. And she said, um, well, the Giants, that's, the, that's who we were playing last night, Greater Western Sydney, you know. She said the Giants uh, were negligent by not getting further in front by the end of the game such that they, they, they were, um, oh no, she didn't put it that way. See, I can't even paraphrase her. See, I was, try I was trying so hard there not to um, misquote her that I've got it all wrong. But she was, she was saying that they didn't protect themselves, the Giants, from the vicissitudes of luck, you know, or a miscall, you know, something like that. See, I can't do it. I can't do what she does. But she was basically saying, you've got to get three goals ahead because there's always going to be an element of luck and a few wrong calls that are going to go the wrong way. That's part of the game. Things are going to go, you know, there might be a bad call by the umpire and you can't go sooking about that. She doesn't like victims either. You can't go sooking about that if you were only one point ahead, you know, with one minute to go, yeah, and then you got a bad call. That's your fault for not getting three goals ahead and five goals ahead, so that you know, so that you weren't at risk. See, I, um, so that so that you know, if a bad call came your way, you you had you did you, you know, you weren't protected from losing the game. See, I take a million words. Give her a ring. She'll put it better. All right. So Kanye West. Um, he's a philosopher, as far as I can tell. And he likes to think things through, as far as I can tell. Anyway, um, and uh, it's, I've got this thing in front of me. Um, he said that thing, you know. After 400 years, he said, it starts to feel like a choice. He's talking about slavery. Well, I am pretty sure that, uh, you know, my bet is um, they started smashing him even as he was saying those words, even though the interview wasn't finished. The interview kept going, but I bet social media lit up already, you know, and especially, um, yeah, and I bet you middle America, you know. Um, How dare you say that, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're a bad man, Kanye West, um, you know. You are denying our people their history and all that sort of stuff, whatever they might have said. But I've got something in front of me here, which is a, it's only two sentences, and it's an article, or well, what is it? It's more a meme, <coughs> and it's called The Ignorance of Kanye West, and it goes like this. West says he's a free thinker. His slavery comments show that he doesn't understand history. Now, what did he say? After 400 years, it's, it starts to feel like a choice. You know, it seems to me like a choice. And then later in the interview, <coughs> excuse me, because he was thinking aloud, I think he said something like, you know, I think it's more, I'm, I think I'm thinking along the lines of it's a slavery of the mind. You know, not, you know, I'm not talking about the physical slavery back then. I'm starting to think if we, are we still slaves in our mind, you know? And that starts to become a philosophy uh, comment then, doesn't it? After 400 years, it starts to feel like a choice. It becomes more a philosophical argument about some his own state of mind, let's say. 
<coughs> no, sorry, I know coffee isn't very nice to have on podcasts, but I just haven't got time to be rewinding. Okay. Um, I'm driving. You know, hands free. Hands free. No, I'm not hand free driving. I've got my hands on the steering wheel. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, I don't think he's talking about history at all, per se. I think he's talking about, uh, you know, like, his own state of mind, or the state of mind of African Americans today. Are they still slaves because of their mindset? Uh, you know, he's, he's sort of thinking along those lines, you know. And it was a wide-ranging interview, you know. He spoke for quite a long time. So, um, but this comment here, West says he's a free thinker. Full stop. His slavery comments show that he doesn't understand history. Now, on the face of it, you know, without getting into whether I agree with Kanye West's politics or not, it's nothing to do with that. On the face of it, that little sort of meme doesn't make sense to me because being a free thinker has got nothing to do with understanding history, does it? You know, you can be actually pretty stupid and be a free thinker. You can know nothing about history and be a free thinker. Um, you know, you might be just at the start of your exploration of the universe as a free thinker, you know. Um, I like, you know, I, where's somewhere... What's, what's a place I know nothing about? And there's plenty of them. I'll try and pick one. Something I really don't know about. And I'm almost certain that I know nothing, next to nothing, about the history of Uganda. Right? I know a lot about the history of Ethiopia, but I know nothing about the history of Uganda. Um, you know, before, well, I, I, do, I do remember the biter, you know, Idi Amin. Was he really a cannibal? I don't know. Uh, I do remember Idi Amin. So let's pick somewhere else. And that, he was back in my time when I was young. Um, so, all right, um, I shall pick Tanzania. I know nothing about the history of Tanzania. I'm pretty sure of that. I know one thing about the geography of Tanzania, and that is that it's got a, a big mountain. Kilimanjaro, whatever it's called, Kilimanjaro. Um, okay, yes, I'm pretty sure I know nothing about Tanzania. And yet I consider myself a free thinker. Uh, so, let me think about this. This comment says that you can't be a free thinker. You can't call yourself a free thinker unless you understand history. Well, guess what? I think I'm a free thinker. You don't have to believe that, but listen to all my podcasts. Listen to all the episodes in this podcast, A Parrot Squawking. And I'm, surely I'm a free thinker. Surely. And yet I don't understand history you know, specifically the history of Tanzania, you know. Um, so, oh, just, at, oh, just on the surface of it, this comment does not make sense. West says he's a free thinker. His slavery comments show that he doesn't understand history. So on that level, even knowing nothing about what Kanye West said or what this article is about, that doesn't make sense to me. Next thing. Um, and this is, you know, this is the, the dumbing down of public discourse in, in the social media world, you know, because I've, you know, I'm not on social media, but this is to hand. I've got it with me, this comment. Okay. Um, now, next thing. Let's, let's look at Kanye West specifically. Uh, he doesn't understand history. 
Well, I don't think he was even talking about history. So he's being accused, you know, I don't think he was speaking about history, I think he was talking about psychology. The psychology of African Americans today. Why do I think this? Well, he said, after 400 years, it starts, you know, it seems like slavery. Well, seems like a choice. Slavery seems like a choice. Well, he's not talking about 200 years ago, is he? Or else he wouldn't have said 400 years. I'm not being pedantic. Um, I'm talking about a free thinker, me, kind of recognising another free thinker, Kanye West. I think he is a free thinker, and I think I am too. I do not mind laying that claim, you know, because, you know, uh, for, for one, I'm prepared to make two-hour-long podcasts where, in place of um, ten-word memes, the ten-word memes that other people would make. You know, some people will make a meme about this, or someone just did, didn't they, um, what I'm discussing, and, and they will express everything I'm discussing in ten words. You know, I, I, I call that a, a non-free thinker because it, they haven't fully thought it through. Surely, you can't in ten words. You need about 40,000 words to discuss things like these properly. And also, you need to wander around a little bit and, you know, digress and all that sort of thing, like I do, you know? Otherwise, you're a professor, you know? But this um, stream of consciousness thing I like doing, I like doing because I like it. Uh, um, I think that brings nuance into the whole thing, you know? You're, what you're doing with your grammar and the vague way you're speaking and all that sort of thing, is you're not locking yourself down too hard. You're not saying, this is it, you know? I'm, I'm going to tell you how it is. You know, you're not being an evangelist when you, when you use um, very vague and careful grammar, you know? You're leaving things open, you're being a free thinker. So, I'm looking at, um, you know, I'm thinking about Kanye West, and I'm thinking he's a free thinker. I really think he is from what I can see. And when he said uh, 400 years, um, slavery seems to be a choice to him. Number one, he's asking a question and not just telling you how it is, you know. I think he was accused, if I, uh, you know, I think he was accused of making a statement there. Whereas I think he was asking a question. And towards the interview, I, the end of the interview, I think he was, he was, he was um, refining that question and saying, I th you know, I think he was suggesting that, no, I, I think I'm talking about our mindset that we're slaves in our minds, you know, still, you know, and that sort of thing, you know. So I don't think he was making a statement. You know, a lot of people reacted to him, I'm sure. Um, you know, my goddaughter gave me, you know, some feedback to give me this idea. Uh, they were reacting as if he had made a proclamation, but he hadn't made a proclamation. He was asking the question, surely, you know, because that's what philosophers do. Even when they sound like they're making a statement, they're actually asking a question. Philosophers only ask question, free questions. Free thinkers only ask questions. They never make a proclamation. You know, scientists are free thinkers. You know, uh, good scientists. They never make a, a proclamation that you know something is a law. You know, not 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 real scientists. They don't. They say this is a you know this is a rule that the universe seems to be following. You know, force equals mass times acceleration. Um, but, you know, we're open to the possibility that 
some um, some event in the universe will come along which will prove that not right in certain circumstances, you know. And in the case of Newton saying force equals mass times acceleration, which looked as solid as a rock for a long time, 100, 150 years, whatever it was, 200 years, looked solid as a rock, you know, until Einstein came along and, um, and started sort of suggesting that actually laws like that break down at the edges of the universe, you know. The edges of the universe being, you know, when you get towards the speed of light or... You know, when you get down to absolute absolute zero temperature, or you get to the extremities of the universe, you know, and things like that, or whether you go backwards in time to the Big Bang, you know, and things like that. You know. And this is what free thinkers do, you know. So a good scientist comes up with a law of nature, but doesn't call it a, a hard and fast law forever. He says, this is just a rule that will serve us well. The universe, as far as we can tell, is behaving this way. Um, you know, but this is subject to further evidence to hand. That's the way free thinkers work. And Kanye West is a free thinker, as far as I can tell. And he said, and he's asking the question, you know, um, after 400 years, it seems like a choice, slavery. Um, he's asking that question, and people jump on him and say, how dare you make that statement, you know? And if I was Kanye West, I don't think he defended himself well. I would say, I did not make that statement, I asked the question. And then they can smash him for asking the question, but that's a different thing, you see. That's a different thing. Um, and, you know, this is the way the world's going too. You can't even ask the questions, and that's very, very dangerous. Because, you know, when the world is in a progressive mood um, and you shut down the, the free speech in as much as people can ask questions, that's kind of okay when the world is in a progressive mood, you know, because you don't mind that, you know, because you're stopping people asking questions like, um, you know, you know, is same-sex marriage, for example, okay? You know, they use the word okay a lot on social media. Is it okay, you know? And, you know, and people smash people who ask questions like that uh, because they shouldn't even be asking the question, you know? Um, uh, but what those let's say progressives don't kind of protect themselves against is that if they shut down the let's call it the conservatives um, if they shut down the right of conservatives to ask that question then when the conservatives are in the ascendancy a hundred years from now they will be able to shut down the right of progressives to ask questions too, you know, and the conservatives will say, you made the rules. And the progressives said, yes, but we were on the side of right. And the conservatives will say, we're on the side of right now. You know, we define what's right now. And you are not allowed to even ask the question as to whether, um, whether uh, same-sex marriages are right. It's, it's against the law now. And you are not allowed to even march in the streets against this because not because it's right or wrong because but because back in 2019 you made the rules that's how it works you know careful what you wish for careful about the rules you put in place because they might be serving you well right now but they might work against you one day uh, you know that sort of thing there's arguments against all of this too you know um, 
there's arguments against all of this, for sure. Um, sometimes asking questions can um, can upset people so much that they commit suicide. You know, so that's a factor. Life is messy, but you've got to let let it be messy. You know, you can't tidy it all up in the form of a meme. All right, Kanye West. Then, you know, you can't make a simple meme that nails it. You know, because life is complex, and you need to and and. and and most issues need thousands of words to be discussed uh, before they can even be slightly, their surface can even be slightly scratched. And people want to reduce those complex ideas to a meme, and they say, this is it. And then someone else says, nailed it, you know, and that's the end of it, but it's not the end of it. They've been too simple. Speaking of too simple, West says he's a free thinker. His slavery comments show that he doesn't understand history. Right, I don't think Kanye West was talking about history. Let's analyse his words, and his words matter. Words do matter, you know. Um, and he said after 400 years or something, you know, 400 years and it sounds, starts to feel like a choice. All right. He wouldn't have even said 400 years if he wasn't talking about today, you know. He's not saying, you know... He was saying that, it be, that it, you know, if you, if you think about those words, he's saying that after 400 years it starts to feel like a choice, but he's definitely not saying that after 100 years it start to feel, started to feel like a choice. So he's not even talking about history. You know, he wouldn't have even said 400 years. Um, he was saying it was a choice in the context of it having been in the heads of African Americans for 400 years. But, um, you know, that, that comment to me says that the physical slavery, uh, you know, in the first 100 years or 200 years was not a choice. He's not saying after 200, or else he would have said, do you know after 400 years slavery starts to feel like a choice, you know? Um, therefore, you are allowed to say that I'm claiming that after 100 years, slavery was a choice. He's not saying that. Or he wouldn't have even mentioned 400 years at all. The fact that he's mentioning 400 years means he's talking about now, not then. So it's not about history. I'm pretty strong on that point. He's not talking about history. He's talking about how it has played out after 400 years. You know, the whole 400 years has to elapsed, has to have elapsed before it feels like, um, before it feels like a choice, you know? He is most certainly not saying that after the first hundred years it was a choice. In that comment, he's not saying that, you know? Now you might think I'm wickety whack and off the track, but I'm going on what he said, not on what I want to think he said. I'm just going on what he said. Am I allowed to do that? Or am I allowed to put words in his mouth? Okay, that's what I think. Okay, um, I'm, I might um, think of other examples of uh, things like this in the public discourse where the world you know, goes spare in its collective head, goes nuts over someone trying to explore a dangerous idea you know, 
in which, you know, and in that situation, I think people should be should explore dangerous ideas uh, because if you don't allow people to explore dangerous ideas that are going to cause progress from a conservative to a more liberal or socialist or some other world that you've got in mind, if you do not allow um, people to explore dangerous ideas that stop progress, then people are going to use that same stick that you invented to whack you down the track, just like they've whacked you down the track in the past. You know, you can go backwards along a track, can't you? Alright, that'll do for now. Um, and I'll come back to this one because I'm in the middle of another episode too, you know. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing two episodes at once here. That's enough for this episode, I think. I talked about one thing and then I talked about another thing. And that's enough. You know, I never know, you know, these episodes are not about introducing an idea, developing that idea, and then coming to a conclusion at the end. My episodes are not like that, you know, because I'm not an evangelist. I'm not trying to tell you anything. I'm just thinking aloud. Okay, so I can just stop these episodes whenever I... Was that a funny joke? Or was that just a dad joke? My kids call my jokes dad jokes. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.